When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, and welcome back to the Tomahawk Take Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Mastriani, and with me, as always, is Alan. Hello there. And Fred. Hey, how's it going? And guys, we are through the All-Star break, and we finally have games back, um, if there's no more COVID uh, pop-ups happening, but uh, finally good to have some some Braves baseball back this weekend, Um, and a lot going on. Obviously, you had the draft, Um, Braves made a little bit of a trade that we're going to talk about. Um, you got the All Star Game going on, so uh, a lot, of, lot going on in this week, even without you know normal games going on. Um, and let's just jump right into the big news of the day. We're obviously recording this on Thursday nights as we typically do, and news has just broken about the Braves trading for Jock Peterson from the Chicago Cubs. The Braves send Bryce Ball back in the deal. Um, Peterson's owed about two million. The rest of the year and then has a $10 million mutual option for next season with a $2.5 million buyout. So uh, the Braves do add. Um, that's one question that has been answered. It looks like the Braves are going to try to add before the deadline. Uh, and they add somebody that potentially could be around next year as well, which I think is key. Um, and I think that's probably players that you're going to see the Braves target right now, players that are going to be here uh, for multiple seasons. And I think that's definitely the smart way to go here. Um, but Alan, I know you got an article you just posted on tomahawktake.com. So give me your overall thoughts on the Jock Peterson trade. Jock Peterson is effectively a stopgap and a chance for the team to have a guy that they can add to the lineup who has a little bit of thump. He is, he's always going to be a threat, uh, especially against right-handed pitching. Uh, to go long, and they sorely needed that with the loss of Ronald Acuna. He's not going to be confused with Ronald Acuna Jr. by any stretch of the imagination, but he is a bona fide outfielder. He is, a again, a hitting threat. His average is not very good when he's facing right-handed uh, pitching this year, but at the same time, that's kind of been from around the league in a lot of places. So I, I'm hoping that the change of scenery does him some good and that uh, he can at least uh, lengthen the lineup a little bit for the Braves. The, the the real trick is that Atlanta has this nasty schedule we've discussed between now and the end of the month. 
And if they didn't, if they had not added uh, somebody like a Peterson, and really they need more, frankly, but uh, if they hadn't at least added a Peterson, they would have a very difficult time competing against the uh, teams that they're about to face. And what this does is gives them a chance to compete and maybe stay with the Mets uh, for another couple weeks. If they do that, they're currently four games back in in, in the division. If they were, if they manage to stay close to the Mets, then I think Alex Anthopoulos is going to continue to add to the lineup to fill the holes and try and see if he can uh, put together a team that uh, can win the division. If they can't stay with the Mets, if they're say six, seven, eight games back by uh, the last week of the month, then I think we might be in for a sell-off. But right now, according to a quote uh, obtained from Gabe Burns of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Alex Anthopoulos is saying right now our focus is on adding. So we'll take that at face value and see what happens. Yeah, that's certainly welcome news for a lot of Braves fans out there. I know I've written over the past week or so that I believe they should sell, but um, I mean, in a tricky spot here because you do still have some very – Good young talent, you know, that can win. But just with everything that's gone on this season, you know, I wouldn't be totally upset with the idea of selling and starting to look towards next year. And I think I think Jock kind of does both of those things, right? And I think that's the way that Alex is going to go, Fred. I think he's going to not necessarily throw in the towel, but I don't think we're going to see any major moves. I think we're going to see... You know, those guys like Jock Peterson who aren't going to be very ex- expensive uh, can help you now and also maybe next year as well. Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, Jock's a good right fielder. Uh, he's not going to get beat over his head like Almonte did out there, and this is not against Almonte. It's just not what he does. Jock's got a nice history of playing a solid right field. He's he's not Ronnie out there. He doesn't have the cannon on his shoulder, so they're, they may try to take an extra base on him. But he's not going to embarrass himself out there. and. Uh, the, the outfield and, and right field in Atlanta is smaller than the one he played in in Los Angeles, so I think I think that he'll be fine out there. Uh, he will pair up nicely, I guess, with Heredia in center, and, and I believe they'll probably use Arcia in left to start this off with. But you know, you know, he the Cubs' plan was to bat him against everybody this year, and they've done that, and he is hitting their left-handed pitchers better. But I'm not sure that that's not that has worked out well for him. Now, I don't know that the Braves can do anything else because they don't have a, a right-handed compliment for him, so I, I think he's probably going to play every day. But Jock's been there, and on the big stage, Jock has been successful, and I think that you know he, he's a positive to the team. And for everybody uh, worried about losing Bryce Ball, uh, I, liked, I liked Bryce Ball. Uh, Ball Bunyan was a nice little, uh, nice little hero, but uh, I don't think he's the Cubs' person of the future. And he may not be their DH of the future either. Uh, but I hope he, I hope he's successful. I don't think it was a bad trade for the, for the, uh, for the Braves at all. And I also think they've got to do more, uh, even before that, because I, I think he looks at the roster and says, yeah, this is, this is good, but this is probably not good enough. But I think he's going to do something else if he can get something, somebody on the hook. Yeah. And I like Chuck Peterson. I've liked him for a while as kind of a platoon bench bat that I, I wanted the Braves to go get. And you look, I mean, he's hitting 230 this year. That's right in line with his career average. So, you know, I wouldn't expect any more than that. But the 300 on base is a bit concerning, not drawing walks nearly as much. And, but, I mean, 11 home runs, I mean, he's he's essentially done what Jock Peterson is going to do. 
Um, so I think you can kind of live with that as long as the home runs are, are coming. So I think it's a, a good trade, you know, for the Braves. Like you said, I was, I was surprised that Bryce Ball went in the deal. I thought that was a little expensive for Peterson. Not necessarily that I think, you know, Bryce Ball is going to be a superstar, but I mean, that is a, you know, pretty, you know, pretty solid prospect that has a lot of control left. So I was a bit surprised to see that was the, the price. I, I thought it was a little high for somebody like Jack Peterson, who, uh, again, I mean, he's owed $2 million this year. If you buy out his option next year, that's $2.5 I mean, that's a, a pretty sizable amount of money, nothing that's going to, to kill the, the payroll or anything. So I, I thought that was a little a little expensive for Jock, but again, not a trade the Braves are going to look back in five years from now and really regret or anything. So um, I like the move. Um, but Alan, what is next for this team? I mean, uh, like you said, Alex says they're they're buying now. So you know, what are what are you buying? <laughs> well, the 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 real trick is what's going to be available, and uh, if they can find something on the cheap that you know, like. We've been talking about needing bullpen help. That's probably the next thing I would expect is uh, some of these sort of secondary name relievers that we've been talking about the last month or so on the site uh, might be the kind of guys that you want to go after next if you're going to continue to add in, in the wake of this trade. And there's really no reason not to go ahead and do this kind of thing because those kind of guys that we're we've been talking about are generally under control for another year and they've been certainly uh pulling their weight on their own teams uh this season so there's no reason not to go after them in in my view because they can help you now they can help you in the future and if over this next couple of weeks they can help you win a couple of games or at least uh, hold on to some leads and 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 win some games that way then by golly that that that's helpful and it'll then give you the impetus to go ahead and and go on and and do even bigger things the end, at the end of the month so that's probably the way i would go next is the bullpen knowing as as fred indicated we still need some help in the lineup but right now you kind of got to try and thread a needle a little bit you don't want to go all in if you're still going to get killed at the by the end of the month if you're going to go all in you're going to go all in to win the division and that could get expensive so you want to make sure that you can get there if you want to do that so uh the the idea of adding a couple of relievers is not going to break your bank it's not going to break your bank monetarily it's not going to break your bank in terms of prospects but if you can do that and win a couple of games, then things are looking up, and I, th- I think it might be worth a, a shot to, to continue. Yeah, and you talk about you know hanging on here for the next couple of weeks. The schedule, you know, is pretty tough. Um, going up against the Rays, against the Padres, against the Phillies, the Mets, and the Brewers—all teams you know with records over 500. But to your point, if they survive that stretch, then in August it gets a little easier. You got the Cardinals, the Nationals. The Reds, the Nationals, the Marlins, the Orioles, the Yankees. Um, so I mean, the, the schedule does lighten up a little bit there if they can survive these next couple of weeks and stay within uh, striking distance of the Mets. But at the same time, I, I don't think it's an all-in situation, regardless. Um, and Fred, for me, I still don't think I still don't think this is the year we see Alex go out and trade you know, Pache or Waters or Langoliers or anybody for a huge move 
um, in the future. I mean, Bryce Ball is the 12th ranked overall prospect for the Braves. That's one of the you know, most highly rated prospects that he's traded thus far in his tenure. I don't see him going out and making that big splash at the deadline, trading one of their top prospects uh, to make a huge move, even if it is for now and the future. Would you agree? Oh, I agree with that. I, I First of all, I, I still am seeing angst as we're talking about this. Oh, my God, you know, the world's ending. We traded Bryce Ball. Okay, fellas, wake up. Uh, <laughs> I know they've hyped him a lot, but we didn't lose a whole lot in this, okay? Uh, and, and Jock brings something to the table that we need. I think he's going to do something as well. I'm not sure what it's going to be. Um, and I agree that Fallon, we need to do something in the bullpen to shore it up. I'm just not sure who's going to be available to, to, to stick into the bullpen right now uh, that isn't on somebody else's list that is willing to pay more than, than we are for him. I just saw, I just saw that, or just read that they, you know, the, the Padres are in on the relief pitchers and we know that every, we know that every team out there, even the Dodgers are looking in for relief pitchers. How you come up with a Rich Rodriguez or, or somebody like that, Ian Kennedy, uh, any of these guys, I don't know how you come up with them right now. You're going to have to pick up somebody who is sort of under the radar, been good. And I don't have a list off the top of my head, but there are a few out there. You're going to pick up somebody like that for the bullpen. Right now, what we need to do is get the people the back of the bullpen lined up and use them that way and keep the team in the fight. And if you keep the team in the fight for the next five days, then things will get better on the uh, outlook to trade. But I don't want to push, you know, I don't want to trade trade and two pitchers for a guy that we're going to have for six months or even for a year and six months. We have to be smart like this. Jock has retainability for next year. And, you know, it's possible you can tell him if, that we're not going to pick up that, that contract. Would you like to have one for a little bit less money and come back and get him back next year for less money uh, if he likes it there in Atlanta? So I don't know uh, where it's at, but I agree when you're going to add somebody, I just – don't want to push all the all the chips in right now because, quite frankly, we don't have that many. Let me throw in a couple things real quick here. First off, regarding Drew Waters, you realize how many guys have been plugged into the outfield that have effectively passed over Waters and, and giving him a chance. We, we've added Almonte, we've added Heredia, Arcia now is in the outfield. We, we've still got uh, Ender Inciarte out there. Pache is is an option in theory if he hits again. And now we're adding uh, Jock Peterson out there. All these guys have gotten a chance before Drew Waters has gotten a chance to get onto the roster and, and give his uh, two cents worth out there. So my thought is that if you're going to trade a guy, then he might still be a candidate to do a big deal with because he just isn't getting a shot, and there's got to be a reason for that at this point, given all the other outfield maladies that have been going on. Second thing is, that, let me give you a list of the guys I've been looking at in terms of relievers, and these are these are guys that are definitely flying under the radar. Jose Cisnero, J.T. Chargois, there are a couple of guys from the Orioles that might work, Scott Barlow, uh, Taylor Rogers, if you want to uh, go after the Twins, but uh, he's going to be one of those guys that uh, Fred's right is going to be a little bit more in high demand. Paul Seawald, um, another Mariner. You, you've got a lot of guys who are in the one to two ERA range who've been doing this for a while, and it will give you a year and a half of uh, control. So I, I do think that there are guys that are available for a, a smallish price. 
And the trick is going to be uh, whether you want to call Sulcer or a Paul Fry or guys like that that can help you out. Because right now you have to trust that they'll keep doing what they're doing, but they've got a track record of doing so. They may not be the sexy names, but they may be the efficient names. Yeah, there's definitely relievers out there to be had. There, there always is. It's just what's the price going to be that they feel comfortable paying. I, I agree with you completely on the Drew Waters part. I think... I think they're not bringing him up because obviously he needs more development. That's the main thing. But also you bring him up and he's terrible for a month or whatever that kills his trade value. So again, I think you're, you're right on with that. I think, and I think it's twofold. I think it's one because he's just not ready, but also the Braves know he's probably their biggest trade chip that they'd be willing to move. And if you call him up and he's not good, that's going to take a lot of the shine off of, whatever so shine he you, has right now. So because you haven't used him, you really kind of got to move him. <laughs> yeah. Well, his, his, the problem is 30, 30, what, 32% K rate right now. And, yep. and okay, he's a little better this year, but that's why he's not up because they saw what happened to Pache. They saw what happened to Contreras when he came up, and uh, they looked at that and said, you know, these guys were not that, doing that bad at the plate. And, you know, so I think, I think that's the reason – that he's not been up yet. I, I don't think I don't want to put any kind of they're tired of him kind of thing or either giving up on anything on that because I don't think that's true. No. What I think is that they want to make sure he's ready because when you you saw what happened to Swanson when they pushed him, and to a lesser extent, well, to some, the same extent that what happened with Pache when they pressed him, and the, the, when they jumped Contreras from double essentially from double A ball up, uh, he hit like everybody had that little honeymoon of where he could hit everything, and then all of a sudden pitchers had him figured out and, and they, the Braves sent him back down where he got his, his brains beat out in the major leagues. And he's starting to hit again at Gwinnett, and, and he'll be back, and he'll be ready. But but they don't want that to happen to, to Waters. And, I again, you've got the other Harris guy coming up behind him, Michael. So I think that you have an opportunity to, if you decide that you need a big chip at some point, as, as Jake was saying a few minutes ago, if you decide that there's a big guy out there you got to have, then I think that's that's where you go with Waters or a big package that you have to build around Waters. I think I think that he's the guy you can build a package around because there's a lot of teams out there that want him, but I don't think they're holding him back for any other reason than developmental reasons, and and they want to fix him. Well, that's that's probably better said than I, I was trying to <laughs> convey. Thank you. Well, it's <laughs> but, also uh, it, it's yeah. not a good year for young hitters to try to figure out how to hit at the major league level either, with the way that pitching is this, this so, year. So, probably not the the right time to do that either. Yeah, Waters has been streaky. Yeah, he strikes out a lot, and if you're striking a lot of AAA, then those holes are going to be exposed big time at the major league level. Yeah, I mean, plain and simple, he's just he he's not ready. I get the frustration from fans a little bit because like you mentioned Al they've gone through name after name in the outfield and we still haven't seen waters come up but uh even like I wrote today you know prospects who we could see make their debut in the second half and I said you know it's not going to be waters I know that's Mm -hmm. the guy everybody wants but it's not going to be him there's just no reason to do that to him right now it'd be a disservice to him in his development so but that, uh, again, the, the Braves are, are looking to add. So, you know, we have that question answered. We'll see what happens after the, the Rays and Padres series coming up, if that remains to be the case. But for now, AA says we're, uh, we're making moves. So, uh, we'll be looking for that. You can check out tomahawktake.com for all the 
trade speculation articles that we'll have coming up in the next couple of weeks. on to some exciting news. I, I don't really know that it's news, but we've talked about on here for a while now the possibility of, of Freddie Freeman leaving. And, you know, I have actually kind of just thought that was going to be the case, but he has answered that question a lot here lately, and signs seem to be pointing to the fact that he wants to be here. Um, you know, he's at least saying that out loud, which is great to hear, because we honestly haven't heard that in a while now. So, Alan, we're starting to get some confirmation that Freddie Freeman wants to be in Atlanta Braves. So, again, we ask the question, why why has it not gotten done yet? But also good news that he wants to be here. Yeah, and he's been asked multiple times in the last week uh, over the All-Star break uh, about that, and he's been pretty unequivocal as far as that goes. He says this is the only organization he's ever been with and why wouldn't he want to stick around forever he, he definitely wants to and has answered some of the questions uh that have been sort of rumored around twitter yeah has he sold his house in atlanta no he has not sold his house in atlanta why does he live in california well because he likes his kids to be able to go out in the winter time and not freeze their butts off that's why I mean, it's it's that kind of a thing is just real practical kinds of answers uh plus he has his all of his in-laws over in california so they can spend some time with them in the off season so yes he has a house in atlanta he has a house in california he can afford that no problem <laughs> <laughs> so he he's he really wants to be around now why hasn't it been done well you could say it's because of his own request not to do a negotiation in season Honestly, if they were going to do something in season right now would have been the the time during this uh, all-star break. I have a hunch that they're just going to go ahead and wait it out to the end of the year and then just get that done. I still think that we're probably looking at something in the 28 to $30 million range, maybe five or six years plus options, that kind of thing. That would make sense. That would be about right for the market without getting crazy. And I think the Braves could certainly afford that. Why haven't they done that? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, It's got to be some sort of fear and trepidation of Liberty Media because they've never done a contract this big before. Well, get with the program, guys. It's time. This guy wants to be there. He's the face of your franchise. He's a great guy. You don't let guys like this go. And you can't replace them. You better get him signed. So that, yeah. that, that's my message to Liberty Media. I don't think I need to tell Oxenthopolis these things. Uh, he, he's smart enough to figure it out, but, uh, it, it needs to get done. So it's just yeah. a matter of time, probably in this case. Yeah. I think that's probably the first thing that gets done in the off season. Um, again, it's to me kind of sad that it had to take that long, but. Uh, I'm feeling much more confident about it now actually happening than I did even, you know, a week or two ago. But, Fred, where's your, your confidence level now? Uh, I know you were kind of on the fence about it as well, but where's your confidence level with Freddie Freeman staying in Atlanta? Well, I believe Freddie. Uh, I I think Freddie wants to stay there, and I don't see how they could actually fail to do that and survive as a general manager. 
<laughs> I, I just don't see how you can do that. I mean, it's not like when Pujols left the Cardinals, okay? Uh, Pujols was clearly on the downward slope and uh, had been in the league a long time, had a couple of big contracts under it, and it's not the same thing as that. Uh, Freddie's younger, uh, he's healthier, and uh, he, it, it's just not the same thing. So Freddie says he wants to be there. He's been on television and said it publicly. He's put it right on Alex's desk for make me an offer. I don't think Liberty Media is involved in this at all. Honestly, I, I, this is too down in the weeds for them. They're probably studying hard how to best deal publicly uh, with the Ozuna situation, however that works out. But I don't think they're going to worry about contracts. For, they understand brand protection, and and brand protection is, is getting Freddie back. So I think Freddie's going to be here. Uh, unless they, if just something stupid comes up at the end of the year, I just, I can't see him not signing him back. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I think it's the first thing that gets done. And I feel like, like I said, more confident about it now. So that certainly makes me happy. Love Freddie Freeman. You know, I was getting a little bit worried about it. So his statements have certainly calmed my nerves a little bit. Uh, so hopefully that gets done right after the Braves finish winning the World Series this year. Oh, nobody, la- nobody laughed at that. <laughs> I thought that was going to be a big laugh there. <laughs> All right, let's move on uh, to the All-Star game, and then we'll get into the draft. I I didn't watch the All-Star game itself. I watched the Home Run Derby. That was highly entertaining. Um, Pete Alonso, just good grief. Uh, hopefully he got all of his home runs out there and doesn't have any left for the second half of the season. But uh, I thought that was a very entertaining show there. I know a lot of people liked the the All-Star game. Uh, as well, I heard really good things about that. I just had other obligations, so I wasn't able to, to sit down in and watch it. But, uh, Alan, your thoughts on the, the All-Star festivities this week? Yeah, I was curious about uh, what the longest home run was going to be. It turned out to be Juan Soto at 520 feet. That was uh, pretty impressive about a guy that size. Uh, something that just sort of came up. I, I love it when Freddie Freeman has a microphone on it, and uh, <laughs> the, when he was out there in the field, and they went to a 2-0 and count against Aaron Judge, who, by the way, just apparently is uh, COVID-19 positive. Uh, he, um, Freddie exclaimed, oh, no, don't walk this guy. And then 3-0, and oh, they're going to walk him, and I'm going to look small. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was basically his reaction. <laughs> He's going to come up here, and they did walk him, and then Freddie was like, oh, great, here, here, here I am, and here you are. <laughs> <laughs> and they were asking him about his height, just under six five, and of course, uh, judges like six seven easily, and uh, looks like he's well proportioned for a guy that would be six seven as compared to a guy that'd be six foot and, and well built. So he's a very large human being, <laughs> and uh, Freddie uh, is well aware of the disparity. It seems so. That that was a hilarious bit, but uh, he always gives you something entertaining, and that that again is part of the draw that uh, makes me like him so much and want him to see him around forever basically so yeah that that was the uh things i remember the most about the all-star game uh 
the the home run derby itself was pretty entertaining. Uh, my prediction did not come true. Shohei Tohtani did not uh, get out of the first round because, surprising to me, he was cast by the end of the uh, two tiebreakers that he had to endure with Juan Soto. So uh, uh, he was gone pretty quick. But uh, once that was done, it was like, well, okay, it's probably Alonzo's to win. But uh, the most impressive thing was his pitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, that guy does tight groupings right in the strike zone and uh, basically fed Alonzo cookies the entire night. No wonder he was hitting so many bombs. He didn't, couldn't hardly do anything else. So there it is. And the National League still was unable to break through for the eighth time in a row, despite the fact that all the Houston Astros turned tail and ran. Um, yeah, that's... That's really sad that the National League just has been absolutely drilled pretty much for most of my lifetime. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the home run derby stuff, that Joel, Joelis or whatever guy that was throwing to Pete Alonso, that may have been the most impressive thing that I saw all All-Star Week. He just continued to throw him in that same spot where Alonso was just crushing him. Uh, so that was pretty impressive to me. But, uh, Fred, any, any takeaways from you from All-Star Week? Well, I ignored the home run derby because I think it's a waste of time. Um, so I guess maybe I'm the one guy in the country that ignores and thinks it's silly. But um, I enjoyed the way that the two leagues interacted with each other. When when uh, Vlad Jr. launched that rocket into the into the seats and put his hands on his head and said, "Oh no!" I I uh, I thought that was good. I. I hated trying to talk to people when they're in the middle of them. Somebody ought to slap Jack Buck for trying to talk to the pitcher when he's on the mound. I mean, what what are we doing here? But I I liked Freddie's mic up, and Ozzy, of course, got his double like he always does. Um, I'm telling you, you, people are underestimating Ozzy Albee's value. That is an important player, and he showed it during the game. Um, I I just I like. I just like the way the teams got on with it. I don't care much about who won it, who who lost it. We're long past the days when Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, and Roberto Clemente played 13 innings of ball to beat the American League. We don't care about that anymore. This is more of a show for the people to see. And and we saw that. We saw Scherzer duck a line drive over his head. Um, we saw a lot of a lot of balls hit a long way. I thought it was just a a great sort of relaxing. Uh, not over the top. People just doing what they do and doing what they could do when nobody's really working that hard against them, and they're still trying to put them out. And so I think that I, I liked it. I'm, I'm not going to say I was engrossed in it every minute. I was more engrossed in the better. But I I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed that I didn't have to write anything about it the next day. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, that's probably you know, like I said, I'm not a huge All Star Week kind of guy. Um, I don't typically watch it that much anyway because, like you said, I mean, had DeGrom been pitching and starting and going up against Otani, I probably would have locked in to, to see that. But with all the players who back out and, you know, it doesn't really mean anything to anybody. Like you said, it's just kind of a, uh, you know, a show for everybody, which which is nice. And I know a lot of fans appreciate that. But, um, yeah, I'm not really a huge all-star week kind of guy. And I'm still kind of sad and bitter that it wasn't in Atlanta. So, that kind of hurt my enjoyment of it as well. But I thought the home run derby was, was unique. Mainly just wanted to see Otani in that too. He's just, he can't, he can't miss right now. So uh, it's hard not to tune in to see him. 
but let's move to the draft talk because we had the draft on top of everything um, this week. 20-round draft. The Braves take Ryan Cusick out of uh, Wake Forest with their first pick, 24th overall. Second straight year, they take somebody out, out of Wake Forest with their first pick. But uh, we were talking about it before. I thought it was a, a decent draft for the Braves. Nothing that they did really excites me, but overall they they took some interesting names. I think they took some guys who have, you know, some high upside potential, especially with Cusack and, and Schwellenbach in the first two rounds there, uh, and then took some high school guys in day two that uh, could potentially have some upside if they can sign them. But, uh, you know, I probably would have given it this, this class a, a C-plus overall. Like I said, there's nothing that jumps out to you, but at the same time, this wasn't that type of draft class. It was, you know, we talked about it on last week's podcast. After the top, you know, eight or so, there's really not much separation between nine and, and 40. And then after that, you know, without having a, a year, I mean, you have a missed year of evaluation. It's just which guys fit your system the most, who do you, you trust the most, uh, who can you, you sign, uh, who has signability after that. So, uh, really kind of a lot of weirdness that went into this draft, but I just thought it was an okay draft for the Rays. And, and Fred, I'll go to you first. I know you wrote, you know, all three days on the draft, so make sure you check those out on TomahawkTake.com. But just give me your thoughts on the Braves draft. Well, I mean, you pretty well control, uh, said it. We, I said it in the pre-draft thing. Once you get past the first nine or ten players, this is pretty much guys who are about the same level. You're going to get the same kind of ceiling from most of them, and it's who you like after that. Uh, there were a couple of surprises. Khalil Watson falling the, to the to the uh, Marlins. Uh, Ty Madden flying right past us to um, Detroit, and and I saw something just a couple of minutes ago that said that he flew down the line because the people between the people picking 10th or teams picking 10th and teams picking 30th decided they didn't like a pitcher who couldn't pick a pitch up in the zone. And, and Greg Maddox would like a word with you about that. So I think, I think that um, it was okay. I mean, there, they did, there were no major things that made me look, uh, look twice at it until we got to the, the one guy that didn't have any, any ranking since 2018. And, because he was a high school player, uh, but even that, when I dug around for him, the kid got 103 strikeouts. I, I call him Chris Anglin, 103 strikeouts in 66 in the third innings, and that's good no matter what league you play in. And he's out here at Howard College, which is about 100 miles, 100 and, well, 180 miles west of me. Uh, and they had a pitching coach out there who's been really successful in developing young pitchers. So it doesn't surprise me that that happened. All the pitchers, when you looked at their their scouting reports. They all had a couple things to comment. They throw strikes. They had high spin rate, uh, and that's without anything on the ball. <laughs> so though, that's you, that's pretty much what the Braves were looking at: high spin rate, strike throwers, don't walk anybody, um, and go right at people. No, not not afraid. Uh, we I found out we found out just before we started recording tonight that the Braves. Now this is from sources that the Braves and Adam Shoemaker had agreed to a $480,000 that uh, signing contract. That's a 355k over slot uh, for a, a number 11 pick. And I just popped up uh, a thing from Bill Doucette of the uh, Cambridge Times that said that uh, um, the Braves called him, and he had, he had about two minutes on the telephone to tell him yes or no he was going to sign with them. 
made him the offer. I, there's no money in this. They're just saying that he had to decide on the phone. This is what we're going to offer you. Are you going to take it? And he, he, he did accept it. So, uh, he, he's happy to be headed to the Braves, uh, the Braves development team in Florida. And I think he's going to be fine. He's one of the guys that you're going to go have to go over slot for a high school guy who could say, no, I'm going to college. Uh, you could say the same for AJ uh, Smith Shaver, who was the, uh, uh, came in at, uh, number six, uh, pickup, number six slot for, for us in the first round. Uh, you, you may have to go over, over for him. And certainly if you're going to get, uh, Ty Evans, who I don't think they have a prayer in signing, but, uh, at, who came in the 20th pick, you're going to have to go over slot for him because he was ranked in the top 150 um, pitcher, 150 outfielders, out, players out there, and if he didn't go, it's because he was not going to not going to sign unless he got top money. So I think there's some uh, Justin Henry Malloy sounds like a uh, an interesting guy out of Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech. Sorry, don't kill me, Georgia fans. Out of Georgia Tech, I, I'm not sure he's any more than a um, Charlie Culberson kind of player, but you need those kind of players around. I like the Dylan Dodd signing. I think he could be sneaky good. Ryan Kusick, everybody, some people I see, some people don't like him at all, but, uh, I see a lot of people that like his spin and think that he can spin a, spin a breaking pitch up there. And he throws 95, 96 now and he'll, that'll come up a bit. But most of these guys are college guys and they are what they are. Uh, uh Dylan Spain, I don't know who he is and I don't think anybody knows him either. But the, the, um, it's not a bad draft, but there's nobody out there that you're going to have a parade for right now. Uh, down the road, you may actually do that, but you know, I think B is pretty good for this draft. I, uh, I don't think there's any serious mistakes in it. Uh, I really, as I told Jake before this started, I had the, I've been watching more of Tyler Tolvey uh, uh, out of uh, Kennesaw uh, as a catcher, and he looks like a young Jorge Posada. Now, I know he's not hitting like a young Jorge, Jorge Posada, and I don't want to hang that on him, but I like the way he catches. I like this catch and throw. And he has better, he hits better with wooden bat than he does aluminum bat. So I think that they've picked up some good pieces there. Who turns up? Who, who, who makes it through the grind of the minor leagues and makes it to the major leagues quickly? I have no idea right now, but, uh, it wasn't a bad draft. It wasn't 2019 again, which is the, probably one of the biggest things, best things I can say for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, there's, there's nothing in here that's, that you can get overly excited about right now. Um, you know, it's not a Marlins draft. Who they got Watson and, and Joe Mack, two big time high schoolers. You know, that's something that you can throw a parade for. There's nobody like that in this draft. And you know, the Braves picked 26. You know, they didn't have any kind of comp round picks or anything. Didn't have a big bonus pool money, so you certainly weren't expecting that. Hey, you know, I don't love the first two round guys and Ryan Cusick and, and Schwellenbach. I just think there's a lot of risks there, and you know. Most scouts believe both of those guys are going to end up as relievers. Now, you got to trust the Braves in their scouting department. They obviously think more of them than that. But I think there's a lot of risk involved with those two. You mentioned Dodd. We talked about him before. I think he's a pretty safe pick uh, to be maybe a back-of-the-rotation type guy. And then you got Cal Conley and Luke Waddell. Those are, you know, their their ceiling is a, a bench, you know, utility bat. Um, I like the Malloy pick. I uh, like the Tyler Collins pick actually out of um, McKinney Boyd High School if he can uh, if they can sign him. But really really glad to see they they signed the shoemaker kid out of uh, Canada, le- big lefty six six. They t- took a lot of tall pitchers in this draft too, uh, but he you know he could be something as well. But 
again, there's just nothing here that, that screams out to you, yes, this guy's going to be a future all-star, going to be a top 100 prospect. I don't know right now if they have a player like that in this in this draft. So just got to have to trust in the in the development um, department and, and, and you know hope that they pick the right guys and they they know how to develop them into those top 100 talents. But um, Alan, anything that, that you wanted to add from the draft? Oh, I'm just watching the Gwinnett Stripers in a big epic comeback in the eighth inning. They've scored six runs thanks to a grand slam by Alex Jackson and a two-run homer by Travis Snyder. So uh, they, they've taken a 9-8 lead going to the ninth inning. So, I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> Alex <laughs> no, Jackson uh, loves that triple-A pitching, man. I think he does. Um uh, the only takeaways I've got that uh, uh, at all is that we've got some unfinished pitchers here near the top of the draft. That's what happened last year as well. But Cusick in, in particular is one of those guys where if they if they can get a, a bona fide third pitch, maybe add a change up. Uh, he had one that's apparently a work in progress or barely work in progress, something like that. If he can get that going, and oh, by the way, the Braves have a few guys hanging around who might be able to teach a changeup, then he has a chance to become a bona fide starting pitcher. If he can't, then he's going to be a pretty decent uh, relief guy uh, with a uh, you know, big slider and a, and a big fastball to, to go with it. That's not a bad thing, especially when you're drafting 24th in the order. So you've got some backup one way or another. And, and, it, and with a lot of these guys, if they can add that third pitch, they, there's a chance to to make them uh, good, useful uh, rotation guys down the road. But I don't think it's a, it's a loss if they uh, can't do that either. So we'll just have to see how it, how it goes. We've got two or three years to, to watch these guys develop, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with, with with any kind of draft, it's really hard to, you know, predict how these young kids are going to turn out. I mean, with college guys, you got a, you know, a, a little better picture. But uh, I mean, even the best talent evaluators uh, don't know exactly how these guys are going to adjust to the big league level, what their their mindset is. So, you know, I hate to really just down any draft, but from what we do know about the guys in this draft, uh, none of the players the Braves took really you know, excite me at this point. Uh, you mentioned Gwinnett. I checked the roster out real quick. Christian Pache wasn't in the lineup tonight. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll see him back up, uh, with the Braves. That's very, very curious. But, Brad, I'll, I'll send it back to you. Any other thoughts before we get out of here? Well, yeah, I got well, a couple things. First of all, I just saw the, the Phillies number one draft pick been taken off, taken off the field because he was having discomfort pitching, of course. Uh, our number one prospect, rather, uh, Mick, Mick Abel was taken out. I want to, I hope he gets well because I hate to see these guys doing that. I hate to see people get hurt this time of year. I want to drop the kiss of death on Christian Robinson, an outfielder we, we, we signed in the, we signed in the late rounds. I like the looks of the kid from what I saw in about 20 minutes of video don't, and wait, wait, wait. <laughs> and I wrote, it's in, it's in my draft report. So he's, I, I'll ask you to go take a look at what I said about Christian Robinson there. I like the kid. Uh, and that's probably the kiss of death. He'll probably never play above a ball, but <laughs> boy, I like to, I like the look of the boy and a uh, young man. I said, boy, he's going to kick the butt, kick me in the butt. But I, I like to look at him and I, I want to, I hope he gets done. I hope Anglin turns up. Some of these guys, some of these guys that are, that are striking out a hundred, a hundred, Man, and under uh, in under a hundred innings, 
those guys, they have something. Now, whether it translates to the major leagues or not, I don't know. The draft is a time to be hopeful for me. And I look at these guys, and I don't see anybody in there that I go, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I see a couple I don't think will sign. But mostly, I think these guys have a chance. And this and I, this is a draft, that first draft for a long time, where I look at all 20 of them and I say, oh, we, these guys have all got a chance. So uh, it's a positive thing. Uh, Al, anything you wanted to add? I'm good. I, I, I defer to uh, a lot of research that Fred has done on, on the draft, and I do want to encourage you all to read that because he's got some good stuff out there. Yeah, for sure. And make sure that you go to TomahawkTake.com, read all the articles we have out there. been putting out a, a really a lot of good content this month from all of our, our writers, so make sure that you go out there and support us that way and as always we appreciate you listening to the tomahawk take podcast make sure that you go out into and subscribe to the tomahawk take podcast wherever you listen to your podcast and we will talk to you next week this has been a very busy and somewhat optimistic edition of the tomahawk take podcast it's a production of tomahawktake.com and fansided llc a subsidiary of minute media inc Opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of the participants because Minute Media allows total creative freedom and because they have no idea what we're doing. Still, all rights reserved. Two of the musical selections used today come to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. These were pieces by Kevin McLeod entitled Sunshine, version 2, and Glitter Blast. Both were modified to fit in the available space. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other selections used come via rights already purchased by TomahawkTick.com. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. We'll see you out there for the next inning. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.